Welcome to Is There Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rubinowitz, an interior design trained lifestyle and wellness expert, mom to three girls, and editor of Mitchbacha's Family Room magazine. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. Stick around. It's wild and it's raw, just the way we like it. Welcome to Kale and My Teeth. Um, for any of your followers who are finding me here, my name is Rifki Rubinowitz. This is the show that I host once a week, profiling, empowering women on their market niche. I am lifestyle and wellness blogger and fitness crazed, as you know. I would love if you could introduce yourself for any of my followers who are finding you for the first time. Okay, I'm BD Deitch. I am from Israel. I'm currently um, Israel's national marathon champion, and I'm training for the Tokyo now 2021 Olympics. I did not ever imagine my life would take me here, but I'm basically living my dream as a professional runner. <laughs> wow. With five kids in tow. I can't even breathe from you, by the way. Like, true or false, have you guys screenshotted BD's splits? Okay, for anyone who's not a runner, splits are the amount of time it's taken her to run that mile and shared it with your running friends to be like, holy freak, this is crazy. You are just iconic. I want to start off talking a little bit about how you got into this, but I also want to give you a little bit of kudos because so many other humans in your industry have been training for this their entire lives. How yes. did this happen? How are you like in this position? When did you start running? Yeah, it's really crazy. I started running five years ago because I was really out of shape and I totally just wanted to feel like myself again. I'm athletic. I love sports. My whole life, I enjoyed sports, but I went like six years without exercising at all. And it's just, I I sort of don't even know how I functioned. And yet at the time it was like normal. I thought I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was taking care of my family. We had, you know, I had four kids in six years. I was working on a college campus. I was hosting a lot of students for two of the years. I was always, you know, I was working and, and I didn't realize just like how badly I needed to exercise. And it wasn't, and it was so much more than just like physically taking care of my body, which is of course really important, but it was like the mental space, like the, the idea of doing something just for me, the getting out there. I started from an extreme place. Everyone laughs when I say this, like I wasn't exercising at all. And I signed up for a marathon, which is obviously not your typical route, but I needed something that was going to like obligate me to get out the door Mm. and nothing was working. Mm. Like I had signed up for an exercise program online and like, I didn't even have, I really didn't have, couldn't even afford like a gym. So I was just like, okay, running's great. You just, you don't need to pay anything. You just need sneakers and your own two feet. And I really loved that idea. You cannot wing a marathon. That was the big thing. So that Mm. forced me to get out the door. And I always say just like signing up for the marathon was the best decision of my life. Unbelievable. You ran that marathon. How long did it take you? What was your, what was your finishing time? So that marathon, when I signed up, I was like, all right, I don't have any time goal. 
I was very adamant that like, I'm just going to do it to cross the finish line. I told my husband, you know, and he had this brilliant idea about like a month before the race that I needed to know when I crossed the finish line that I actually did the best possible time I could. And I remember I was like really not interested, but he told me go and do a half marathon. So I did one on my own. And based on my half marathon time, I ended up running like a 141 half, like in a park by myself in gun soccer, just like 13 loops. So he told me I should be able to run the marathon in three and a half hours. And I ended up running the first, my first ever marathon in three hours and 27 minutes. And it was such an emotional experience. But the fun, the thing is people think, oh, because of that, people are like, oh my gosh, that's so fast. Like, oh, so you knew then that you were like a fast runner. Like when I ran that marathon, I had never in my wildest dreams did I imagine that I'd be where I am today. It just, re it just reinforces for me how, how often we underestimate what we're capable of. Well, also, I mean, it was your first experience. You were literally going in, you know, somewhat blind, which I guess leads me to my next question, which is how much of the running experience is nature, is natural, is the, gen you know, genetic composition and all of that versus nurture versus training. I think, you know, by now that I am quite a, a driven mind over matter person. Running is not where I excel and I apply and I apply. It's not for me. And how much of that and how much of what you experience is nature versus nurture? It's a really good question. I'm the first one to say, and I always say this, that like, I know my running is a gift from Hashem. Like, but at the same time, like you will not get anywhere without a lot of hard work. Like just because you have talent and you're a fast runner, like if you want to achieve anything, it's going to take lots and lots of training. And I really do believe that um, many people can improve tremendously without being very talented. And also it's definitely a process. Like the more years you put in, the better you, you develop your aerobic system. It can take like seven years. Um, I, I often, I tell myself that all the time. I'm like, you're, you're barely scratching the surface, you know? Yeah. And so. I, I attribute my ability to reach really fast speeds during a hit session, just to the strength of my legs. It's, it's because I'm such a devoted strength trainer that I can sprint fast. Okay, I want to talk to you about huh, the mindset of it. And I'm not talking about, and we will cover this, but right now I'm not talking about the empowering and inspirational mindset. I'm talking when I trained for a half marathon, I was very focused and dedicated and regimented and structured about um, how I was training. It took up a lot of brain space. I was single at the time. Now, as a mother, as a working mother, <laughs> trying to fit just even 30 minutes of strength training a day, it could eat up a lot of mental space. For the fact that this is your career, which, you know, of course, that's empowering, creates an element of pressure. How do you create those pockets of mental, I want to say, organization? Um, so it's interesting because I think most professional runners will tell you that it's a very, it's all, all consuming. Like they live, breathe, think, feel running all the time. But I think the most successful professional runners are actually the ones that are able to have like, to, to not just be thinking about running all the time, to have other outlets because 
if it's not going well, or if you have a hard workout and a bad day and obsess over it, like it's not productive. Mm. And, and you, you have to be, I think your body performs best when you're happy. I also find that like when I'm running, what I like to say is that whatever you're doing in that moment, the way I struck my mental organization is like, whatever I'm doing in that moment, I'm fully focused. I'm fully absorbed in, I give it my all. So when I'm running, it's just me and running. I'm not thinking about my kids. I'm not thinking about my family. I'm just in that moment. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm like taking for what it is. And, and I get asked the question all the time, like, how do you juggle it all? And like, first of all, I really don't think anyone juggles at all. There's no such thing as being a superwoman who does it all. Like I cut out so many things in my life to just be able to do the things that are important to me Mm -hmm. because for a long time I tried to do too much and it's, it causes burnout and you Mm -hmm. can't be good at it. If you want to be good at what you want to accomplish, you have to be really focused on those things. Yeah. A hundred percent. But I also find, I thank you for that answer. So insightful, but the question is not as much how do you juggle it because I believe that there are systematic ways to organize yourself so that even just from a a personal time management perspective, you can fit it all in. What I'm curious about and which you answered so beautifully is the mental because I can physically be with my children, but I can be having performance anxiety over a big race the next day. And I think it's the compartmentalization that you just said that makes it like a very valuable lesson. Do you get like performance anxiety when you've been up with your kid Mm -hmm. the night before and you know that you're just not getting in the recommended amount of time? I I really don't have anxiety. Like I don't have anxiety about things. Now, obviously when you have a big race and there's a lot of pressure, people are sponsoring you, you have, you know, big goals you want to achieve. It's, it's normal that you're going to feel a little bit like stressed, but the, the, my approach is always just to really think about all the possible outcomes of everything that could go wrong on the day of the race and to literally like meditate on it, imagine it happening, feel it, and and then accept it. And then I'm like so calm because I don't know, at the end of the day, it's a race. If I did have, you know, I've had really, in the summer, I did a lot of short distance races, which they didn't really matter so much, but still like, I, I remember I had like eight minutes to warm up once and then jump on the track. And my, my like thought process is like, okay, you're here now. And, and this is your circumstance. Like just accept it for what it is. Don't, don't think about what it could have been or what other people have just like be okay with, with where you are right now. I'm very faith driven. Like my life is very much guided by the understanding that whatever happens to me is, is meant to be. And Hashem's holding my hand every step of the way. So nice. And you know, that ability to go through all the bad outcomes, potential bad outcomes, and then accept them and sit with them is one of the biggest mindset foundations. If you listen to any podcast, that is exactly what they recommend. I don't know if that was something that you learned or something that you have innately, but it's very cool. Did your ability to, I guess, accommodate and adapt, did that come before your fitness evolution or did your fitness evolution teach you how to adapt in other areas of life? I, I, I just feel like if we use... Because obviously you're very driven and I am too. If we can use our natural ambition to level us up in ways that are outside the circle of ambition we've created for ourselves, then why not, you know, reuse that energy source in different ways? 
I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the power of like the mental, the mindset tools that sports give you until I started getting more into running and it has totally evolved. And I think as really as Jews, like as Jews who are striving to work on ourselves and and I know that my Rav and mentor Rabbi Kellerman, like he's a big believer in this also, but I was not, I wasn't aware of it. I don't think it was something that people, I didn't see the inside of. I love sports because I just enjoyed moving and, and I needed that outlet. I'm, I have a lot of energy, but it's only like the past three years or so, three, four years that I've really discovered like another layer of it mm-hmm. and how it's such an incredible tool for my own personal growth. And I think part of why I'm so in love with fitness is because not only has it taught me mind over matter from a physical, like endurance standpoint, but it's also taught me the power of A, not labeling ourselves and B, even if we have labeled ourselves and those facts are true, there is always the opportunity for reinvention and involvement. So let's say the facts are that I was unathletic. I have redefined my script. And that is one of the first ways that I define myself as now somebody who's energetic, pushes myself physically, and that spills over into other areas of my life. So I just love that. Wait, so can I ask you how you got started in sport? Like, how did you change your whole mindset from being someone you described as unathletic to someone who loves to push yourself and, you know, work hard? Of (laughs) course. Um. It actually started because I wanted to lose weight after seminary, which is just so ironic because that's so not what it's about for me now. Um, And I had never like put on a pair of sneakers and I went to the gym and I, you know, messed around for a few months doing bogus stuff. I had no idea what I was doing. And it was actually uh, a group of women and one trainer. I don't even know if they're aware of this, but they embodied so much strength and slowly, infinitesimally, um, it created these shifts about how I viewed it, where I wanted to discover if I could be that strong and if I could figure that out. And it continued to evolve and it continues to evolve. That's really cool. Um, I want to take a quick um, commercial break to shout out Healthy Bark. I do want to shift gears a little bit. I want to talk practical, type in a way. Um, how do I get started? I have no idea how to run. What should I do? Can you give me some practical tips? Yeah. The first thing I always I tell people is to check out the Couch to 5K app because I think it has a really good program for building up stamina. And it will also help you avoid injury because the biggest mistake that I think new runners make is getting started too quickly, too fast. And your body needs to like takes time to build up to it. I also think it's really helpful to have a running partner in the beginning because I think you'll be you'll enjoy it more like when you're running with someone and you guys can you can and you should be running conversational pace whatever that is for you. So if you have someone to run with, then you can practice talking and not worry. I also think that signing up for like some kind of race is very helpful in staying motivated and is like a reward. It's fun. Race. You don't need to spend a lot of money. Like if you're concerned, if you're, you know, concerned about shoes, just make sure you're not buying sneakers. You're buying actual running shoes. Every company has a good shoe. You could go to any store, the stores, they fit you, get a good running shoe. Um, and and you really don't need much else. You don't need a watch in the beginning, even. I think people get so caught up in in gear and yeah. all that, and like 
don't jump and buy everything all at once. Mm -hmm. I honestly just started out with a pair of good running shoes. Don't get so caught up on your pace and times in the beginning. Try and enjoy the experience. You don't run with music, right? It's not like I don't run with music, but I I don't know. Right now, my headphones don't even work, so I can't be bothered. Most times, I don't need music. Like, if I want to really chill run, I'll put music on. But I think it's so good to have alone time without listening to anything. Mm -hmm. I think it's really beneficial for our minds these days. Let's talk a little bit about pre and post run nutrition. And I also want to find out how did you educate yourself? Because it's a relatively new career for you. I feel like sometimes I'm not so educated on the nutrition topic. Like, I mean, there's so much you could, there's so many opinions. I've listened to a lot of things. There's so many different things people will tell you. I try and keep things simple. I happen to be I have celiac, so I'm celiac disease, so I'm gluten-free. I really don't think that, like, personally, I don't think there's any benefit to being gluten-free if you don't need to be. Like today, I mean, if your stomach can't handle it, that's one thing. But like, I think carbs are good for you. There, When I was training for like my first, the first really serious marathon, Tiberia in 2019, before that race, I was like, I was in, really focused on like cutting, like losing weight, kind of like I wanted to get my lightest possible. And, and I was really, really disciplined. Um, but the truth is like, since I've built in my mileage, like a, a lot since then, and like I run now, like around 100 miles a week. And I find I'm just like starving all the time. It's intense. Like, and I swim. So a few things like, I think it's important. You have to know your stomach. Like, I personally cannot tolerate much before a workout. Like if I'm going to be running hard, I prefer not to eat anything. I know that sounds crazy, but it's just really what works for me. Like I just feel better. But then immediately after I have, I think it's good to have a carbohydrate and protein liquid, also lots of fluid. Like you really lose a lot of sweat all the time. It's like I'm drinking all the time and electrolytes. My biggest issue is that like, when I'm training for a marathon and I want to be like, I don't, I, I really do. I don't, I don't count calories. I don't count like anything. I don't, um, but I try and be a little bit more focused on like not, not getting in the foods I don't want, but I find, I don't know. I crave sugar so much. I can't no, describe really. it, <laughs> you know, focused on that. And I was just like, okay, if I'm eating mostly healthy, I like the 80, 20 rule. And, and I have a nutri- I have like a nutritionist who was telling me what I'm doing is good. I'm I'm considering after this race, like to maybe reevaluate things and like, depending on what my goals are. When I was trying yes. to strengthen my lower body last year, I didn't think twice about making sure I was getting in somewhat of a calorie caloric surplus in order to um, actually see the growth that I was looking to do. You know what I mean? So it's like this yes. training for a marathon. You know, before we even answer this, let's answer Rifty Cap's question. Do you do any other exercise before running? I, I, I do cross train. When I had when I was injured, I did so much biking and swimming and aqua jogging. I really considered doing a triathlon. Like and I'm still not ruling it out for like Olympics twenty twenty four. I usually swim twice a week and sometimes do like an indoor cycling session once or twice a week. The, the interesting thing is like when I do, a, I do my long runs on Sunday and like a long run is like, you know, 36 to 38 kilometers. You're not always so hungry right after, but like the day after I'm always like extra hungry. Oh, so true. 
Do you ever, you know, when you're not feeling confident with your speeds or whatever, go through the narrative of like, well, it's not fair because if I was wearing little running shorts, I'd have so much less fabric weighing me down and I could even just be a couple seconds faster. It's so interesting because that rarely comes up in my head. Like when I'm not feeling confident about my running, that's not the thought that I turn to. I think about what I need to focus on, like my weaknesses as a runner and like how I need to train smarter and recover better. But I I remember I like had this thought in my head for a long time about I'm like, I've wanted to post it like how honestly, like I remember seeing some someone wrote a question on our stories, like, do you find modesty empowering? And I and I was like, no. And I almost was like, and I and I thought it's it sounds weird coming from someone who's like supposedly the champion of modesty, right? Like I for me, like I grew up my whole life dressing modestly. And at a certain point, things that you do just because because you always do them, they're almost like automatic, which in a way is not necessarily so meaningful because you're not consciously choosing to do it. You're doing it because this is what you've done your whole life. And I don't really believe in doing things like without consciously choosing them. So honestly, I might find it more empowering as as a mom who has stretch marks to like, yeah, just go out there in like a sports bra and shorts. Like that would be pretty cool. But what I find about modesty is that it really keeps me, it keeps me humble. It keeps me in my place. And I think that as an athlete, when you work so hard, so easy to feel like, okay, yeah, I got this because I worked on it. I worked hard for it, but I don't, I don't really, that's not my perspective. It's like, I, I was successful because Hashem gave me the success. And when I dress modestly, I constantly remind myself of that. And that's what, that's what works for me. I, I never, it's also really, really important to me that just because I'm dressing a certain way and doing certain things, like I don't reflect judgment on anyone else's choices. You know, if your goal is humility within the umbrella and under the jurisdiction of humility comes acceptance for other ways of living lives and, and other religions and other humans. So well done on that. (laughs) That's really important to me. What kind of strength training would you recommend to somebody who's running all the time? Well, first of all, I think it's so helpful to go to like a PT. I mean, most people go to PTs when they have issues, but I might even say that even before you encounter any potential issues, you're always going to have weaknesses in your body composition and everybody's different. And there's going to be things that the PT could point out for you to work on. A big, big problem that many runners have is they're not using their glutes enough. They're not activating their glutes and their glutes are weak. So any exercises that strengthen glutes and hips are super helpful. There's like a certain element of just having basic strength. And like, I think there's five foundational moves you want to be doing, right? Squat, push, pull, hinge, carry. When you run, you actually use really your entire body. So there's still there's definitely, I work on upper body also, not like, and then people are always scared of, I don't know, I don't want to build muscle. I don't want to be too heavy, but like you use your arms a lot to get power. Yeah. Can we, can we talk about what something that you just said? And uh, for whomever is watching or listening that is worried about bulking up, I want to explain two concepts. Number one, in order to build muscle, there's a reason why men build muscle more quickly, okay? Men have more testosterone, which is what is required to build muscle. As women who um, should or do have primarily estrogen, 
you need so much more muscle and so much more work to put on muscle that, which brings me to my next point, you need to be lifting so heavy to put on muscle. When I got my first um, bicep vein, okay, this was after lifting weights consistently doing bicep curls with two 25 pound weights. That is when I started to see the first significant definition through my t-shirts or you're training on Peloton or any of these. Keep that in mind. Um, we're all built differently. And especially when you're strength training, especially when you're running is form above all. That is, that is my, that is my thought. I think that our sense of self our worth is hinged upon the performance instead of just working to, you know, do that mile within your goal. Yeah. And I think that it's so important to be focused on your own progress. It's not about how fast you run. It's about how far you've come. Find your little moments. Like I literally cheer myself on for the sec- the milliseconds and, and I love it. That's what I'm focused on. You know, you're such a delight. Um, what do you think um, deters people from sticking to a regimen? People ask me all the time, how do you stay motivated? I think with regimen, I think it's a personality type, honestly, because I think the people who are naturally disciplined love regimen and like they crave structure, you know, and then you have the people who are just like not like that and love being spontaneous and regimen scares them. You have to find what works for you. So maybe if you're not a person that can handle a strict regimen, so maybe it's like, don't commit to like a specific time of day that you have to exercise, just commit to doing something you love uh, once a day. The challenge in, in regimen is like, is being consistent. I think a big, we all struggle with consistency. To me, the way you do that is by having short-term goals and long-term goals. That's going to really keep you on track. I love that. Um, I'd love to add number one, mini habits will change your life instead of even, you know, something like the minute I put my feet down on the floor, I take a sip of water in the morning. You are one step closer to becoming more regimented and more aligned about being a water drinker. So it's like those mini habits. They're also subjective. I don't want to give more examples. Another one is your goals have to turn you on. They have to be the goals that turn you on. Um, yes, they have. Totally. You said this, but they have to excite you. And here's one that has really changed my life. And I know everybody says this, but when you find somebody who is aligned with your particular excitement or passion, it levels you up in such a crazy way. My fitness partner, we will call each other after a workout and like discuss it. And we're so on fire. We'll level each other up. That's awesome. (laughs) So nerdy, but so awesome. And, you know, there are some things that we'll do separately. I don't like running together because I find um, I'm so focused on staying um, on each other's pace that I lose the joy in it. There's this apex where you level each other up, but don't pressure each other. That is the sweet spot of a supportive friend, especially in the fitness world. I cannot do any of my workouts without my training partner. And he's like, I think he's turning 50. He's really cool. He's so fast. And he always can pace everything perfectly. And every time we do our long fart legs, I'm like literally hanging on for dear life. And I had a lot of weeks where I could not keep him till the end. And like, it's always my goal. Stay with Kobe, stay with Kobe, stay with Kobe. But like, he is such a game changer in my training because he pushes me. He keeps me on pace. I don't have to think about the paces. 
And yeah, I think that I'm, I'm totally not the same athlete without having my training partners. So it makes a huge difference. It really, 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 really does. I am astounded by you. Astounded. I think you're amazing. You're very cute, Rifty. It was really fun. I think yeah. you're amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, let's just keep the compliments going, honey. Um, I love watching your journey. I think that you embody humility. And it's just amazing for all of us to watch, um, especially, you know, as from Orthodox women, it's just amazing having somebody like you in our corner. And I can't wait to continue stalking you. Thanks. <laughs> no one has to stalk me because I literally share everything. I've been so <laughs> like so off about posting, but I'm actually running, God willing, finally running this marathon that I have been training for for so long. Um, in like a little bit over two weeks in England, this is the race I need to to qualify for Tokyo. I need to run a two twenty nine thirty in the marathon. It's crazy. It's a goal that. It scares me. If your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. But like, I'm so ready and excited for it. So one second, everyone. How many? What? 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 What is the average split on that time? Okay, are you a kilometers or miles? miles. I'm miles. Okay, I need to run a five forty one mile for twenty six point two miles. Everybody who's listening or watching, if you are listening and watching this before BD's. England Marathon. If you want to show support, you run a one minute run for, <laughs> run for one minute on, on your treadmill. That's really cute of you. <laughs> yes. And then visualize her running that for two hours and 27, 29? 29 minutes. Two hours, 29 I'm, minutes, 30 seconds. I'm sorry, I did not, not a second to more. Off two minutes of, of your time. No. <laughs> Run 10.4 for one minute and then tell me if you will be praying for her success on that day. I need all the prayers. Thank you, Rifki. <laughs> How much before the marathon do you go to England so you could acclimate to the time? Well, I don't have a choice because England, I have to quarantine. So I'm going there five days early. Oh, wow. So um, it's actually a good thing because. I get to have a five day vacation. My Sh husband and family husband. Will yeah. hang in your there. Husband. Yeah. Your husband yeah. is clearly a rock star. Yeah, they're all rock stars. And God willing, we'll see. I'll I'll keep everyone posted. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for being on and have a great night. I know it's nighttime there. You too. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love if you subscribed. And if you're really next level vibing, leave me a positive review so we can keep the circle of positivity going. Of course, you can find our guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on my Instagram and website at Rifki Rabinowitz and RifkiRabinowitz.com. Have a good one, okay? Stay cool.